wonderful to see you this morning. Uh, the warmest of welcomes to Northwest Hills. So glad you're here. As Pastor Josh and Megan said, we welcome you warmly on what is another beautiful Sunday morning. And uh, I think a number of our friends uh, have headed to the coast or to the mountains or uh, somewhere in between on this uh, beautiful weekend to uh, enjoy it, to soak it up uh, before they get gone for a while. So we, we surely get that, but we're really grateful you're here. Uh, our first service together was wonderful, uh, and we got finished right on time, and it was a great, great hour together, and I am anticipating uh, just the same here at 1030. Hope your week uh, was really good. If it was not, this is a great place to reboot, kind of reset your mind and heart and get ready for the week that is to come. As we today conclude our Daniel teaching series, a series we've simply called The Life of Daniel. And we spent our time in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. It's really the biographical section of the life of Daniel, and in particular, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that just further uh, puts the exclamation point on what Josh was just saying about uh, connecting, connecting your life um, with the church and finding that group to connect with, finding that service team to be on. Uh, Some of my fondest memories uh, over the years of serving in church is the folks that you get to meet when you're serving with them and around them. And sometimes you're serving in children's ministry and and that becomes sort of a team or you're on the hospitality team or you're serving with students or on the worship team. And and there are these sort of communities of service uh, all within this larger community and and just a chance to connect and to plug in and, and to have those friendships. I am convinced that the reason that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able to not just survive in Babylon, but were able to actually thrive in Babylon was because they had each other. And they were in community, and they drew strength from that. And they blessed each other, and they encouraged each other, and they were borders for each other. And that is so, so important. We can surely be that for each other in family, and then with the church community, our friends. Uh, boy, we cannot overstate the importance of that. We will not give our attention today to Daniel chapter 5, although I would like to assign it, if I may, now that we're fully into the school season, both um, elementary, secondary, college, university, I'd like to assign you some homework today. I think that's okay this time of the year. Uh, Daniel chapter 5, check it out this afternoon. If you have some time uh, this afternoon, maybe in the morning, read Daniel chapter 5 it is powerful. You will be aware of Daniel 4, 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. And with that, uh, the final words of Nebuchadnezzar, he's done. His reign ends. Chapter 5, verse 1, many years later, King Belshazzar had a great feast. And you're going to hear all about that feast. You're going to about hear about a finger that appears and writes these words on the wall. Meaning, meaning to Kelfarson, thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. It is a powerful chapter that I want to encourage you to take a look at this afternoon. Look with me at the last three verses of that chapter. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes. A gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Can you imagine? That very night, 
It's a dramatic conclusion, the crescendo of the fifth chapter. Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. That is a tectonic shift, a huge shift. As we see, the Babylonian empire is coming really to an end. And uh, they are conquered by the Medes and the Persians. And now we become familiar with names like Darius and Cyrus. And they're going to play a huge role because there's this man named Nehemiah that's going to have a heart-to-heart conversation with Cyrus, for example. And, and now these that were, that were routed in that great captivity back in Daniel 1, verses 1 and 2, are now being permitted to go back to Jerusalem, back to the promised land, promised to them all the way back in Genesis 11 through 15 in the Abrahamic covenant. They're going back and they're resettling and they're beginning to rebuild. And the Babylonians kind of had, a, had an interest in this people group, the Hebrews that, that they had conquered. But, you know, the Medes and the Persians, they weren't so much invested in these folks. And for them to give them permission to be able to go back um, was okay. And we see Nehemiah goes back and he rebuilds the wall, right? And uh, Ezra goes back and he rebuilds the people. And it's the first place that we see a, um, a platform that is built just like this, not to elevate a man, but to elevate the word of God. And it was the word of God that built the people back up in their most holy faith. And Zerubbabel returned back and he rebuilt the temple that had been routed and destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And they were given permission to go back in these waves by these kings of the Medes and the Persians. So that is hugely, we just read that verse and you just read right over it, but it was hugely significant in the history of the Old Testament. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Now chapter 6. Darius the Mede divided the, uh, decided to divide this kingdom. Man, his kingdom just grew a lot by conquering the Babylonians and by taking rule over them. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose, here he is, Daniel. Again, it's so easy to read over the significance of this. Daniel is not only risen to prominence in Jerusalem. He came as one who was well-trained. He came with one that was in good physical shape, mental shape, emotional shape, spiritual shape, out of his home in Jerusalem. He rises to prominence in Babylon. Now he rises to prominence again amongst the kings of the Medes and the Persians. What a special individual. What an individual who had God's favor and God's blessing on his life. And really, I feel that his story really concludes and and is really uh, punctuated with an exclamation point in this sixth chapter. And Daniel really invites our story to collide with his story. And he really shows us here the heart of Daniel, the mind of Daniel, the soul of Daniel really comes out here with an individual that God blesses. What would be the portrait of an individual that God blesses? blesses. That is exactly what Daniel shows us. And I think there's some incredible, tangible, practical takeaways for your heart and life from this sixth chapter this morning. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. He appointed a high office to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar chose Daniel. Belshazzar chose Daniel. And now Darius chose Daniel. And two others as administrators 
to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. That's breathtaking. That's unbelievable. The unlikeliest of all people. Yet here is the first quality that I want you to see with an individual that God blesses. We see that Daniel shows us the importance of being a person of high capacity. Daniel was a person of high capacity. Did you see that? He was more capable. Well, where did he get all of this capacity? It's really interesting to see. It's really exciting to think about. And the answer to where Daniel got all of this capacity, this high capacity, this big motor, this huge heart, this strong head, these uh, healthy bones and muscles and tissue. He was a, a specimen who was healthy physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, in the depths of his soul. Where did he get all this capacity? You know, the answer for that is found back in the first chapter. We go back to chapter 1, verse 4, and we see that Nebuchadnezzar said, Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. So there's a, I'm looking at, there's a whole host of folks here that would be candidates for that, right? I want to encourage you today. That's exactly right. Uh, That would just definitely fit right in with that. A strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. He said, make sure they are, watch this, well-versed in every branch of learning. Have you ever thought about that? They were well-versed in every branch of learning. You know what Nebuchadnezzar is doing here? He is plunging them into mathematics and sciences and the histories. We're going to see. I'm going to show you exactly. He's plunging them into, into literature. And he is exactly expanding their capacity more and more. He's expanding their capacity. Their knowledge is expanding. All along, God is expanding their wisdom. I'll never forget my senior year of high school. I went and talked to my pastor. And I was sharing with him the fact that I believe God was calling me into the ministry. I believe he had called me years earlier. And now I'm getting ready to graduate from high school. And I've got to choose where I'm going to go prepare myself for the ministry. And we talked about some Bible college options. We talked about some university options. And we looked at those Bible college options, which was primarily uh, all the classes were just studying the Bible, which is awesome. But thankfully, there were some wonderful Christian universities that were more liberal arts universities where you would only get your Bible classes, but you had to also take like courses like English 101 and English 102 and history of civilization and mathematics, and you had to pick between a science class or a computer science class, and you had to take speech, and you had to take general psychology. And here's what my pastor said to me. It's some of the best advice I'd ever been given. He said, I would really encourage you to consider a university where you could get that liberal arts foundation, Mike. And upon that, you can get all of your theological training. For as you delve into that liberal arts situation where you get those maths and sciences and histories and English and you build out that base and then put all of that theology on top of it, you know what it will do for you? It will expand your capacity. It was some of the best advice I was ever given. And I spent the next six years without a break having my capacity expanded every single day. Every single day. 
You have to understand, I arrive at this university that was known as the Ivy League of the South. And it is highly structured and intense. And I mean nonstop, charge hard. And I arrived there from the hills of West Virginia. And I took a class called Speech and Vocal Skills. And the professor, oh man, he always wore just uh, the most sharpest suits and a beautiful argyle sweater under each of his suits. And, and I gave my first speech. And after the speech, he called me up and he says, <laughs> and I thought, you know, oh no. I said, man, did, sir, did I do something wrong? <laughs> and he said, he says, where do you come from? <laughs> well, they put me through the ringer. They put me in the wash. They brought me out. They hung me on the dry. They washed me again. They put me back out on the line. They pressed me. They worked with me. They fine-tuned me. You said, I don't believe it. No, they did. You wouldn't believe how far I've come. And man, they worked on me. And you know what they did? Those professors, God bless them, increased my capacity. And they taught and they pressed and they retested and they worked. And many of you You've been through that exact same process. Many of you, of you are those ones that pressed and washed and ironed and processed and asked for more and asked for more. And the capacity has increased. All along, we're gaining knowledge. But here's the most important part. All along, getting that wisdom from God that only he can give. And when you bring those two things together, knowledge combined with wisdom, we then have the ability to live life skillfully, a life that will honor God and be a blessing to others. And Daniel allowed his capacity to be stretched. And it prepared him for all of these opportunities that were going to come his way. Uh, I just love this. All the way back here in chapter 1. Be sure to select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, gifted with knowledge and good judgment. They're suited to serve in royal palace. Train these young men, look at this, in the language and literature of Babylon. Isn't that amazing? And the king assigned them even a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchen. Do you guys know that story? Daniel chose a different diet. Worked out very well for him. And we see his capacity here being stretched. But the ultimate capacity comes in verse 17 of chapter 1. And there's our two words. It shows up with three words later in this verse. And God gave. And God gave. There's the real secret sauce, church. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. I'll never forget when I was taking Greek as an undergrad and it was shucking my corn. And I got on my knees in my dorm room. And let me tell you what I said, God, if you don't help me with this, I'm never going to make it through this. God, you've got to help me. You've got to help me to understand. You've got to remove these scales from my eyes. You've got to give me the ability to understand this dead language that's just, that's just crazy to me. Lord, I need your help. And you know what? He helped me. You know what? He will help you with what you need in your life and those moments that you feel like you're in over your head. He will help you. Don't begrudge him expanding your capacity for he is preparing you for things in your life that you would never dream could be possible as he works in and through you for his honor and glory. And so these men were stretched in literature 
and in mathematics and in the sciences and in the history of Babylon. And they were stretched with their diet. They were stretched physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. All along, here's the secret sauce. God gave. God gave. And God loved this. God gave Daniel the special ability and the aptitudes that he needed, not only for daily life in Babylon, not just to survive it, but to thrive. And God gave Daniel the special ability as well to interpret these visions and dreams that all of the other in that court could never interpret one single word. And there was Daniel, a man of capacity, a man who God had divinely prepared for this moment in his life. You know what? The the Lord never wastes any lessons on us. And everything that you've gone through in your life whether it's educationally, whether it's just situationally from the various aspects of your life, whatever you've gone through in your life, God does not waste any lessons on us. And he is preparing and he will use those for his honor and glory in amazingly powerful ways. And through all of these things of our life, you know what he does? He builds capacity to be used of him. And all of these years later, He's risen to prominence in in Nebuchadnezzar's court. He's risen to prominence in Belshazzar's court. He's now risen to prominence among the leaders of the Medes and the Persians. And now we have Daniel being chosen. Daniel proved himself, verse 3, to be more capable of all the other. There's that word, capacity. To be more capable of all the other administrators and high officers because of Daniel's great ability the king made plans to make him, uh, to place him over the entire empire. Verse 4, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling the government affairs. That word searching is a powerful word. The idea there is they turned over every stone looking for some fault or for some error or for some impropriety or inappropriateness in the way Daniel was handling the government affairs. And I'm going to tell you, as I reviewed this message one final time last night, man, my heart was arrested. My heart was pierced with these next words after this conjunction. But they couldn't find anything. I'm going to tell you something. That's easy preaching. That's hard living. They couldn't find anything in Daniel. Guys, that's breathtaking. They turned over every stone. They looked around every corner. They looked under every bush. They shook the bush. They looked here. They looked there, trying to find anything that they could hold over Daniel's head. And they could find nothing. Here is the life God blesses. It's a life that is willing to have an expanding capacity. It's a life that has an absolutely locked godly character. Here it is. Your capacity can take you places in life, but your character will sustain you in those places in life. And that's exactly what Daniel saw. And man, last night I was reviewing this. And in our living room where I like to review my messages one final time before it's go time on Sunday morning... I, in these windows that we have in our upper room there, 
I could see my reflection in the mirror. And it was like Daniel of old was speaking directly into my soul about the importance of character. And I had to ask myself this question, could they find anything? Ask that question of yourself. Would you just put yourself sort of for just a moment right on trial? The Lord has not given us any spirit of condemnation, for there is therefore Romans 5, therefore now no condemnation than they're in Christ. I'm not going there with you. I'm just saying I want you to be inspired to really see the importance of developing a sincere Christian character. And are you fully there? But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn Daniel. Look at the subpoints under his Christian character. There's four that we just can't miss. And I'm going to tell you, they are powerful. Boy, this calls to us out of the annals of history. Man, this beckons us down the street of time to rise up. And as we've said back in the very first sermon, to with our life, to dare to be a Daniel. Look what it says. Number one, he was faithful. He was faithful. I love the fact that we sang in that that last song uh, how our God is faithful. He's always with us. He always is for us. He's the faithful God. Here's one of the characteristics of God that we can emulate in our life. He has characteristics that we can't. He is omniscient. None of us here know everything. I've met some people who I think think they do, but I pretty well have the confidence that none of us know everything. Nobody here is omnipotent, all-powerful. Omnipresent can be everywhere at once. None of us can do that. But God is also faithful. You know what he calls out to us? He calls out to us to be faithful like he is faithful. We call these his communicable attributes. These are ones that he can share with us and we can emulate in our lives as we become Christ-like in our life, as we choose to follow him with our life. His faithfulness can be our faithfulness and we can be faithful in our relationships. I love it. We can be faithful with our business. He was faithful as he handled the affairs of the governor's, the leader's business. What an encouragement that is. What a challenge that is. Number two, always responsible. Whoa. It's these little clarifying words that's what gets us. Always responsible. Finding nothing. Fully faithful. Look at the third one, and completely trustworthy. Would you say that you are always faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy? And I say, wow, Daniel, you're challenging me. I've got some work to do. And you're calling me up. You're calling me out. You're calling me forward in 2018. To walk with my God like you walked with your God. You know what we can say to Daniel? To walk with our God. He's the same. Our God's the exact same God of Daniel. And Daniel calls out to us down through time and through history to follow him like he followed him. And to allow him not only to increase our capacity, but to absolutely develop our solid Christian character. Well, what does a solid Christian character look like, Pastor Mike? Faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy. Let's jump down to 
verse 10. But when Daniel learned about the law, we'll go back and get it in just a minute, that had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room and with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day. Faithful, responsible, trustworthy prayer warrior. Look at Daniel. You know, the Bible gives a lot of leeway for us in postures in prayer. Think about that. Um, You can be driving your car and on a long trip, and you can spend a significant portion of that trip praying and talking to God. I do highly recommend you keep your eyes open. You don't have to close your eyes to pray to God. Now, sometimes it's wonderful to close our eyes and praise to God because it, you know what it does? It heightens our, our ability to focus. And it tunes our attention in a really special way. And so you don't have to close your eyes when you pray, but it's a wonderful thing. You can pray standing up. You can be in a long line this upcoming week. And you can be there and you can, you can be praying while standing up in that long line and talking to your God with your eyes open. But you know, it's a really powerful and a wonderful thing. And maybe you've never done it. Maybe you haven't done it in a while to get down on your knees and talk to God very humbling. It really tunes our heart to who's who in the equation. And it also brings a level, I think, of intimacy that is really second to none when we get down on our knees and we talk to our God and we pray to him. Daniel did this three times a day. We could say just just for easy of memory, morning, noon, and night, Daniel knelt down as usual In his upstairs room and with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day. So powerful. Daniel had an increasing capacity. Daniel had a developing, solid Christian character. And he needed it for look what he was going to face. Let's go back up to verse 5. Let's fill in. So they concluded our only chance of finding any grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live the king, Darius. We are all in agreement. That was a lie. Because guess what? One of the great rulers and one of the top uh, bosses here of, of this court was Daniel. They didn't consult Daniel about this. He would have never agreed to this. Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors. I bet Daniel said, wait a minute. Says who? That the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders for the next 30 days. Any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked, so King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel heard that the law had been signed, he went home as bold and knelt down as usual. Nothing changed for him. As in the upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed there three times a day, just as he had always done. And look what he did in his prayer. Number one, he gave thanks to his God. I love that. He gave thanks. By the way, 
He found a way to be thankful even in a difficult time. And you know that's important. I have learned in my life that when you can be thankful in a difficult time, it makes the difficult time instantly better. When you can be thankful in a difficult time, it frames the difficult time instantly and it helps you, at least, to be better in the difficult time. Thankfulness is a great gift for all seasons of life and in all situations of life. He gave thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying. And look at the second thing he did and asking for God's help. Those are two great things to do when you pray. If you would choose to get down on your knees, if you're standing up, if your eyes are open, if your eyes are closed, you've got a lot of leeway with posture and prayer. But here's the invitation. Give thanks to God for all that he has done. And if we commenced a prayer meeting right now, we could take all day and we could go all night and just simply focus on all of the things we have to be thankful for. How many of you this morning woke up and you were sleeping in a comfortable bed? Let me see your hand. Or let me just, how many of you woke up and you were in a bed? Let me see your hand. You may be about ready to replace that mattress. I get it. How many of you rode here on a bicycle? You rode in an Uber? You drove your own car? Let me see. You had transportation here. Yeah. How many of you have a plan for lunch? Or at least there is something in your cupboard when you get home that you can eat or you have the resources to go buy yourself some lunch if you wanted to. Let me see your hand. Look at that. Look at that. We have shelter. We have transportation. We have food. Thank God everybody here is clothed. Appears mostly to be in your right mind. Uh, We're so blessed. Look at this facility we have to set in. Lighting and instrumentation and seats we have just to sit and hear God's word and greet our friends and listen to a message and ponder it. We've got pens and Bibles and Bibles on our devices and devices that will tell us anything. We want to know about weather and what's coming our way. And look at all of our blessings. You have some, some, some money in the bank that you can use to help with the situation. You've got a job or at least the opportunity to get a job. We live in such a blessed country that's been so blessed We have so many things just at our fingertips. Anything you pretty much want today to eat or drink or to have, if you really wanted to make the effort to get it, you could get it. We're so incredibly blessed. We could spend the rest of the day and the evening just thanking him for all that he has done. How good he's been to us. And yet there are situations in our life There are situations that are right now real in your life where you need God's help. You need some answers. You need some encouragement. You need some guidance. He will help you if you will pray to him. He will show you the way. Trust in the Lord with all your own heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. He'll give you the help that you need. Daniel, increasing capacity. Daniel, strong in character, faithful, responsible, trustworthy, prayerful. What was the contents of his prayer? He was giving thanks. He was asking for God's help. Well, what did he need God's help for? Well, the fact that he was in the midst here of a huge setup where these other governors and leaders and, and these others in the court of authority had set up really the king here against Daniel And Daniel's in quite a pinch. I am really taken back by this simple fact. But when Daniel heard that the law had been signed, 
He went home and he knelt down. Wow. He went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. And that's where these people found him when they went straight to his house. He says, wait a minute, fellas, I'll get the door in a minute. I've got to finish what, church? Praying. That's bold. So what do we see about the life that God's blessed? It's a life of increasing capacity. It's a life of a solid Christian character. Can I tell you this? It's a life that's uncompromising in all things. It's uncompromising. He did not bend. He did not bow to King Darius. He did not bend. He did not bow to this uh, edict that had come forward. He did not bend. He did not bow to these administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that are there knocking at his door, knocking at his door. The pressure's on. The only knee that was bent was the knee to his one true God that he prayed to three times a day, and nothing was going to change that. And he was uncompromising. And what is God going to do? How is this going to work out? So they went straight to the king. Verse 12. They went straight to the king. This is the oldest, largest group of tattletales that you have ever met in your life. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Can you all see him? King, king. Can you see them all coming in? Bear in mind, they couldn't find anything else. Searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find what, church? Anything. Wow, that's a challenge. He was the New Testament word, blameless. He was a pot with no handles. There was nothing they could grab. Wasn't there. Well, now they think they've got something because they've set him up. King, did you not sign a law that for the next 30 day, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man named Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God. Can you believe this? Three times a day. Three times a day he prays. Not just once a day, three times a day. And he bows to him to boot. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. That's interesting to me. He He wasn't enraged. He was deeply troubled. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all, all night. 
Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered. Can you imagine the joy that must have been in that king's heart? And Daniel replied, are you kidding me? Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I've been found innocent in his sight and I've not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and he ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. And church, that's the the theme we see over and over and over again. The, and I, in all of my time in the book of Daniel, I'd never seen this theme come out as I have this time through with you. And God, and they trusted. And God, and they trusted. And God, and they trusted. And it just threads these first biographical six chapters together. And it shows us another fold in his Christian character. Faithful, responsible, trustworthy, praying, fully trusting his God. Whether it's a beautiful sunny day or a stormy day. Whether it's a high or whether it's a low. He never took his eyes off of trusting and obeying his God. And out of the den he comes. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Get the dog, the cat, the parakeet. I want them all in there. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. So King Darius sent this message to the people of every race, nation, language, throughout the world. Bear in mind, 25 is a transitional verse between 24. 25 is a transitional verse, and I'm really taken back by how the end of 25 goes. Peace and prosperity to you. (laughs) Bear in mind, one verse earlier, the king had all of those accusers with their wives and their children thrown into the lion's den. He opens back up with this word to all of the peoples of the world, peace and prosperity to you. As I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness that we see on display in this amazing chapter. 
and how challenged, how gripped we are, how called forth we are by this man Daniel, who was willing to be stretched in order to be used. who absolutely locked in a Christian character that was golden before you. And who, even when the pressure was on, was uncompromising in his allegiance and trust of you. And we stand next to him down the hall of history and we have such admiration and we feel his gentle touch calling us up and out to live a life like that. Father, we do not deify him, for you are the only and the one true God. But we are admiring of him, and we are deeply inspired by him. And in this day in which we live, Father, Across our city, across our land, we could really use some Daniels. And I pray, Lord, that in our homes, in our church, in our schools, in our community, that from Northwest Hills will come some Daniels. Some men and women, boys and girls, who live like that. Capacity, character, uncompromised. For these are at least in part some of the qualities of a life that you bless. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.